0: Hi there, and welcome to Your Baby's Brilliant Brain. I'm Dr. Christine Anderson, and with me is... Dr. Toxel Ruck. And we are pediatric chiropractors who are here to help you and your family optimize your baby's neurologic development from conception through the first few years of life to lay a foundation to have your family grow up healthy. So thanks for joining us today. And Dr. Toxel...
1: You take it away. Go ahead. So we're going to talk about Webster technique today. Some of you might be going, what the heck is that? Some of you might be going, oh, it's that certain technique that does a certain something. So we're going to explain from our perspective, as pediatric chiropractors who have actually received training, you actually have to receive a certification in order to advertise that you practice this technique. And I want to dispel some misconceptions about it at first so oftentimes in my practice I have had pregnant women referred to me and they're about in their third trimester and in going through their history they explained to me oh my OB recommended this because my baby is in a breech position and they told me that they would wait until the third trimester to recommend this because that's the only time that it's safe So very quickly, I'm like, what are they talking about that it's safe? This technique is actually safe during all times of pregnancy because we're not working on the baby. We're working on the mom. We are working with the mom's pelvis, with the mom's sacrum, with her ligaments. We have nothing to do with the baby in terms of working on the breech position. That is not something in our scope of practice. That is something that OBs can do.
0: I'm gonna back you up, Dr. Toxel. Okay. I know I can hear how passionate you yeah. are. Let's <laughs> take a step back because maybe there are some people listening out there who have no clue what you are talking about. Don't worry, I was gonna get into it. <laughs> ah, I'm impatient. So what is the Webster technique actually? What What is it? Who is it designed for? What does it it involve?
1: So the nice thing is that I have an actual definition out, like strict definition that I learned from the ICPA, the pediatrics course that I'm taking. So they are defining Webster technique as a chiropractic analysis and gentle adjustment of the sacrum. As with all chiropractic adjustments, our intent is to improve the nervous system so that the body can function better. As with all sacral adjustments, pelvic balance is improved. That's the idea behind it. A balanced pelvis then reduces undue tension in the attached muscles and ligaments. So in pregnant women, if the pelvis is not balanced, the uneven pulling on these muscles and ligaments may be restricting the baby's ability to get into the best possible position for birth. Although most frequently used with pregnant women, this technique, this adjustment can actually be used on anyone with a sacral misalignment. It just works really well with pregnant women because of the... Things that go on with the pelvis and sacrum and those ligaments and muscles during pregnancy. And what is the sacrum? (laughs) So the sacrum is that bone at the very bottom of your spine. That's the triangle. So the sacrum actually is a part of your central, your spinal Alignment. Your pelvis is actually something different. Those are two different bones, but when coming together, they do form a joint called the sacroiliac joint. That joint can also be stuck, but the actual sacrum, that triangular bone that your tailbone is attached to. So again, these are two separate bones. That sacrum can actually come out of misalign into misalignment on its own. And it does happen with pregnant women because. During pregnancy, relaxin, a hormone, is released. This loosens up the ligaments and really allows that pelvis to open up. Now, sometimes without that ligamentous stability, certain things can happen to the structure of the pelvis, and that's where a chiropractor would come in and make sure that everything is working in alignment, that the sacrum stays in proper position despite what the ligaments are doing around it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's that ligamentous laxity, not only of the, the ligaments that are supposed to hold us together, right, and keep us from being too loosey-goosey, but there are actually ligaments attached to the inner part of that sacrum and the front part of our body that are holding the uterus and the fallopian tubes in place. So there's different ligaments internally and the ones that sort of tether it inside the pelvic bowl. So when you have a shape of the pelvis that gets distorted, guess what? Everything inside is going to get distorted too. And that is the whole relationship to what we're talking about. It's, um, you know, it everything kind of, moves down this chain of events like anything, like a little pebble in a pond and it ripples out. So if you have a misalignment, it can affect that alignment in your pelvis, which can affect what's going on in the uterus, which can affect baby positioning on and on and on and on. And this is part of the beauty is that by working on mom, we can
1: actually help the baby with the positioning inside. And we can actually affect many... Different aspects in the mother. So when we're talking about having an optimal labor and birth process, we're trying to avoid dystocia, so abnormal labor or childbirth. And the most common abnormality, which again would be technically difficult labor labor, thank you, or slow to progress labor. The most common cause that um, they often use medical interventions for is a failure to progress in the labor. So we use the Webster technique to, again, restore proper function and structure to the pelvis so that there's no reason for there to be a failure to progress in the labor.
0: All right, so I'm a pregnant mom. I'm coming in. Mm -hmm. I've been told my baby is not in the optimal head-down position for birth.
1: What are you going to do? So first I'm going to talk to the mother and this is something that I learned from Dr. Jean Ohm who unfortunately passed away last year, but she was really a pioneer in the redefining and the really getting into how powerful this Webster technique is. So what are three causes for a failure to progress in labor? It could be an actual physiological or biomechanical issue. It could be an emotional issue or it could be iatrogenic or technocratic causes. So things that we put into the body and the idea behind Webster technique is to give you the tools to deal with all of these. So a failure to progress due to physiological changes. What are we talking about physiological changes? So in labor, we have strong muscle contractions coming from the uterus. Now, the nerve supply to this uterus needs to have full communication with the brain in order what to do um, to stimulate certain hormones and neurotransmitters to occur that allow the labor to progress naturally. So we're really talking about power. They call it, there's three things, power, passenger, and and passage. Sorry, excuse me there. Um, so All right, I well, could have told you that. <laughs> so when we're talking about power, we are talking about the expulsive forces, the muscle contractions of the uterus. So we need that proper nerve flow. The uterus has many different areas of nerve flow. Again, connecting back to that fight or flight or that rest and digest. It has nerve connections to both areas. But what we want in that moment is to reduce interference to the nervous system. And in order to do that, guess where most of this nerve flow comes from? Uh, the spine. Right. But what part of the spine? The sacrum. Well, there we go. <laughs> so <laughs> Now, another part of it does come from your lower, thorac- lower thoracic upper lumbar. So that's about your transition from your mid back to your lower back. But the main focus again is the sacrum. So really making sure that this bone is in optimal position. So that way there's no interference to the connection of the uterus to the brain and brain to uterus. You need that communication. So when a pregnant mom comes in, then you're going to be looking at the motion, the
0: biomechanics of how her pelvis is moving and the alignment Absolutely. to make sure that that nerve connection from the brain down through the spine out through the sacrum is going to be able to get to the cervix and the uterus so that it can do what it needs to push that baby out in a rhythmic manner. Yes. Is that what I heard? Yes, is that it is. Yes, it is. We got it.
1: Right. So that's the first part. Now we're talking about passage, the actual pelvic inlet, the part of the pelvis that the baby will travel through, then going through the cervix, then the vaginal canal. So contraction of the pelvis, so any alteration of the pelvis that narrows or changes its shape can cause difficulty during labor. Because again, when you narrow that, path, you've got to get that baby, ideally the baby's head down through an already, you know, relatively tiny area, you do widen up a little bit. But and I think this is something that you observed on x-rays, how much that distortion of the pelvis can narrow. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's it was just one of
0: those observations I made. This was a, a an x-ray on a patient who was not pregnant. And I looked at that x-ray and there was rotation of the pelvis. And when I looked at it, I was like, wow, this is really cutting out about a third of the pelvis. Because of that rotation, so it really just was very illustrative to me how much this can really make a difference. Because yeah, we got a big thing come through a small space, and women's pelvises are built differently. You have ones that are maybe built a little bit more like a man if you've got narrow hips. Well, you really need every millimeter a space. And this is the problem, I think, too, in a lot of pregnancies where the baby's breech or transverse laying on its side where they go to get down their head down in the pelvis and it's it doesn't fit and it's like no it's uncomfortable that for doesn't them. feel yeah. good <laughs> i don't want to be there and so they go well let me just find a, a better comf- comfy spot right this is not feeling so good so i think this is again one of those reasons why this technique works so well is because that pelvic outlet maximizes when you make sure that there is full alignment. And um, I I just was thinking the other day, it's kind of like sticking a square peg into a round hole, like it just isn't gonna fit. Well, rather than trying to manipulate that baby as they do uh, medically into a position that they don't wanna be in, why not, so that's like trying to fit the square peg into the round hole, right? Why not create that optimal situation for the pelvis so that that baby naturally will be like,
1: oh, yeah, that's comfy now. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make this clear. Even though there's different types of pelvises, and yes, there are some where you have that rounder, more oval shape that they've deemed, quote, more optimal, there is no reason, no matter what your pelvis shape is, that you would not be able to give a natural birth. Your body is designed to do this, no matter the shape, the different shapes of the pelvis. So, and again, that's where that ligaments loosening up comes in handy because you think you have you know a narrow room. Ligaments, I think they've measured and increased um, three point five centimeters of space just in the tiniest part of the pelvis. So. If you picture the typical bowl of the pelvis, that tiny little area at the bottom is where the baby will travel through. That's still going to widen up even more during labor. So no reason, despite what your pelvis shape is, when it's in optimal alignment in the best position possible, no reason why any woman would have trouble birthing a baby naturally. So, but again, the chiropractic adjustment ensures that that alignment is there. Now I'm going to talk about the passenger, so the presentation of the baby. Now, we don't work on the baby. We do not physically move. There's no work on that. That is not within our scope, so I want to make that very clear. We are working on the mother's body only. Whatever the baby does due to that is incidental, but here's where I'm going to explain why the baby may be positively affected by that change in shape. So you were just talking about baby not feeling so comfortable if there's no room in there, especially with the head down during the later stages of pregnancy. So the thing is, it's not just the pelvis. There's also ligaments and muscles involved. So some of these ligaments actually have muscle fibers in them, the round ligament and the uterosacral ligament. Um, the waddy, waddy. Yeah. The <laughs> so, again, these are ligaments that are attached to your uterus. They are useful in pregnancy. So, the utero, <laughs> utero sacral ligament is there to prevent the uterus from going forward and down. So, a lot of these are holding it in place while your body is undergoing these changes because you're, you know, distributing weight in a different way. But these are designed to keep the uterus in a very good position, optimal for birth. So again, it has muscle fibers in it. So just like with any muscle, let's say the pelvis goes out of alignment or the sacrum goes out of alignment because that's where some of these ligaments attach. It's going to pull on that ligament and it will send a signal up to the brain that something is out of place. Your body wants to be functional as much as it can during this time. When we get certain muscle tightness in an area and tension, our body will try and adapt to that area. But guess what? If that ligament gets tight, it will also create muscle contractions. I'm not talking about the uterus contraction. I'm talking about actual muscle spasm. And again, it's going to tighten that certain area. Baby's not going to want to go over there. Well, exactly. And this also
0: begs the the also um, addition what am i trying to say there's something called back labor <laughs> anybody who's been in labor with back labor will tell you that the back contractions are worse in the front and this again has to do with positioning of the baby because instead of the back of the baby's head facing forward we've got the baby turned around, that's gonna put more pressure on the sacrum, that, that ligament, those nerves, and you start creating pressure back there and pain. So this is another aspect of what we're talking about. There's a physiologic reason why these things occur and why they occur in some people and not in others, even though it's common, it's not normal. And these are some of the things that we look at and think about before you go into labor, before there's an issue so that you don't have to wait until there's um, your baby's not in the right position, or you've been told there's a breech baby, or you're in labor and you have back labor. These are all things that we can work on on an ongoing basis with pregnant women so that the chance of them happening are minimized. And this is another reason why, too, working with a chiropractor in labor is important, because sometimes if you have certain patterns, they will rear their ugly head in labor. And so then you might need to actually get
1: worked on while you are having your baby. And I do want to play into chiropractic during labor. So touching upon some of the emotional stress that can happen Either during pregnancy, whether you're in pain, pain triggers certain pathways to happen, certain stress hormones, certain neurotransmitters. Now, removal of these is very important because you don't want a chronic stress response. So... Fear and emotional stress can affect birth because you're activating that part of the nervous system that puts on that fight or flight. So here's where it comes into that neurological development for the baby and giving your baby the best possible start to life, setting down a good foundation. So when you're in sympathetic override, as we call it, so you're in major fight or flight, what happens, your blood flow to your arms and legs increases. So it will take blood flow away from your uterus because your body is like, I need to direct this blood to the areas where we can get away from the situation, aka arms and legs, getting the heck out of there. Whether you're actually moving or not is irrelevant. <laughs> so, but your blood flow to the uterus decreases and then the blood vessels of the uterus contract. So, because there's not as much blood going through them. And so, as a result, blood flow to the baby decreases. So, what does blood do? Transports oxygen and nutrients. So, baby tends to receive less oxygen and nutrients with less blood flow. So, other thing that's happening when you're in that fight or flight, your stress hormones activate again, protective response, not a bad thing, but not necessarily something you want to have happening for a long time or affecting baby. So stress hormones produced by the mother can be transmitted to the baby through the placenta. If they're there for too long, as a result, the baby's heartbeat will increase. That's part of the stress response is your heartbeat goes up. So when we're talking about that sympathetic override, and again, that's your stress response, why would you be stressed out if you're afraid, if you're in pain, if you've, if you're overwhelmed? So the whole idea behind chiropractic, and it, yes, it is safe when a woman is in labor, there is n- can you think of any reasons why you wouldn't adjust a woman in labor?
0: No, I just have to modify. Yeah. It's, it's not the same as when they're coming in the office it's more like me following them around
1: right. and <laughs> working on them but unless they're in an mm-hmm. emergency room type situation you have adjust you've actually adjusted women in labor um using this technique the webster or modification well
0: there's modifications because basically their moms on her hands and knees or over a ball or sitting or standing or leaning or They're not laying down on their belly, I can tell you that much. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, 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 no. So, okay, you have a mom that comes in. Um, We're always going to check out for structural issues, asymmetries, movement, biomechanical, um, integrity. We're looking at the history. We're looking at what's going on. I know for me, sometimes I actually can feel where that baby is in position just to kind of get an idea of what we're dealing with. Sometimes they know from an ultrasound, just to it gives me a picture because then if I can picture where that baby is, I can maybe see and feel and think about how that pelvis might be distorted. Then the Webster technique basically is simply working on the sacrum, figuring out where it's restricted or not moving doing an adjustment on the sacrum, that triangle-shaped bone, and then having mom turn turn over and then working on a ligament in the front that's holding the uterus in place. I mean, that's the essence of it. Yes, there are some other aspects that have been put in there, but when I was taught by Dr. Webster himself, and this was basically the day before I gave birth to my second child, so this is, um, you know, always gonna be a great story for me. Those were the foundational elements that he created after, after looking at this and figuring it out, looking at anatomy and physiology when his daughter was presenting with a breech presentation with his grandchild. And so from looking at what was going on with her and figuring out what was going on in pregnancy, this technique he came up with is the foundation. That's the foundation. There are some additional things that you can do working with the musculature and alignment. But you would say, Dr. Toxel, that that's the foundation that you learned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so just to make it clear, because again, and this does come more from my experiences with working with OBs, they're under the impression that this cannot be done until the third trimester and that's just not true we highly encourage moms pregnant moms or you know even if they've got a sacrum issue that this technique can be performed at any time because we're As I said, we're still adjusting the sacrum. We're also looking at the pubic bone. We're also looking at those two ligaments. So, we're actually looking more at the sacro tuberous ligament in this case. There's a lot of ligaments involved, but that is one that attaches directly to the sacrum and that can get tight. And we're also working on that round ligament and the two muscles that we're taught to focus on are the piriformis, which is a muscle that again attaches to your sacrum and comes out and attaches to your hip and it can pull the pelvis. And we're also working on your hip flexor, the psoas major, which is something that we pretty much work on anybody with low back pain or hip pain anyway. So to say that this isn't safe until the third trimester of pregnancy is ridiculous because again, we're not working on baby. We're not working versus a high risk versus low risk situation. We're only looking at the structural function of those bones, ligaments, and muscles, and then the adjustments are very safe. They're modified for what the mother prefers. In a lot of cases, so, I haven't,
0: I haven't, ha- I haven't come across that situation where OBs are saying it's not safe.
1: Um, so that's interesting. I, I, I have. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they were under the impression that it was not say for a high risk pregnancy to do until the third trimester. And that's what I wanted to make Mm -hmm. clear. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really make sense to me
0: why, but um, this is part of the education process. And it's more the fact that it's to me, right, the biggest thing is not waiting until you're you're so big and the baby's so big that they don't have room to move to try and get down in that position. So around 34 to 36 weeks is a a good time to really like by that time to have come in and be working on the pelvis. But as Dr. Toxel said, and I've said, um, getting chiropractic care throughout your pregnancy is definitely safe. It's definitely something that can help with having a happy, healthy pregnancy by keeping that alignment, by keeping your body functioning at 100%. And if you do find that there's an issue with baby positioning, we work with your body to help get a round peg through a
1: round hole. Right. (laughs) So I did want to talk about two different cases. So one was well, one, I want to address the importance of checking this as soon as possible. I had somebody referred to me in the third trimester. And unfortunately, the OB that had referred her was doing this as a last resort. Her baby was breached. And she came in with the idea that this was not going to work. So I tried explaining to her. Um, she was also coming in with certain pains. And I explained to her the whole process, tried to dis trying to get some of that emotional stress off of her because she came in with, this is my last resort. She was basically due in a week. So I'm trying to do as much as I can with this technique. And we did get results. The baby did move from a breach to a transverse position, but ultimately the baby did not go down. Um, financially, she was not able to come in as much as I wanted because I told her, well, when we're working this late, I would ideally see you more often than not to work out this pattern of pelvic misalignment. Now contrast that with another patient I had that received chiropractic pregnancy through, sorry, chiropractic care throughout her pregnancy brain miscommunication there. Um, Her baby, I, we had no idea what um, position her baby was at some points i wasn't addressing a breech baby my idea was to preventatively keep that pelvis in alignment so that that situation would have less likely occurrence in general and she came in sometimes with some pubic bone pain but other than that she didn't really have any major low back pain sometimes she would have muscle tightness no occurrences of sciatica like she had with her first pregnancy um, her labor in the second pregnancy versus the first pregnancy, she was like, it It was fine. Nothing, ha- nothing crazy happened. Um, baby came, was fine, had a relatively average labor time. And she was like this drastically different from my first pregnancy and labor. And this was somebody that was a patient before she was in her second pregnancy. So I was there with her the entire time, even adjusting her before conception. So being able to go on that journey with her and just keep her pelvis in alignment, keep everything going and to hear from her that her labor and birth were good experiences for her this time, you know, just reinforces to me that this is the right thing to do. Even if there are cases where they come in a bit later, I'm able to do what I can, but ultimately nature is nature. Um, I can just try and help the body get there a little bit easier.
0: Right. Well, I've had a little bit longer to work with this technique and I can say for the most part, it's been very effective when patients have come in with uh Positioning issues of the baby. But again, when they come in earlier, sooner rather than later, definitely a better outcome if they come in when I tell them to come in, which when we're doing this technique, basically is three times a week, almost every other day, pretty much. Because of the state of pregnancy where you have that laxity of the ligaments, that pelvis is moving in and out, in and out, and we have to just keep telling it, no, this is where you want it to be, and make sure that position stays optimal. Otherwise, that baby's gonna try to turn and go, nope, still not comfy. The times where it hasn't worked, again, the later stages of the pregnancy, not so successful, and occasionally, we will find after the birth, if the baby has not transitioned to a head-down position, And a C-section is performed that there were things that were unforeseeable, a shortened cord position of the placenta, maybe a septi in the uterus where it's kind of like a wall that blocks off some of the the room for the baby. Um, So physical issues that the baby said, no, you know what, this is where I need to be to develop and thrive. And um, this is just my story and the way it's going to happen. So, I think that gives hopefully our audience a pretty good picture of what the Webster technique is. Its efficacy is is really well. I know there's been studies done. Did you come up with
1: any numbers on that? Um, no, but my documents from Doctor Genome are quite extensive, and I could definitely find some and put some put them in our social media if people are interested in looking. Well, I'm researching in, these articles. Yeah. yeah. Back
0: in the, the good old dinosaur ages when I learned this, I, if I'm right, and I might be wrong because numbers sometimes evade me, but I think I read it was about 85% effective when they were doing these studies, case studies and, and some other work with looking at women who received the Webster technique. So it it is quite high. If it's done in the right time and if the, the person is coming in uh, as they're, they're, they're regularly scheduled.
1: Yeah. So I just want to wrap that all up saying yeah. again, this technique addresses the structural elements in the mother's body, the pelvis, the sacrum, the ligaments involved with the attachment to the uterus and some of those low back muscles. That's what we're working with. We are creating a situation where there's optimal alignment, hopefully baby will be most inclined to bring their head towards the lower part of the pelvis because naturally that's where it's the most comfortable. And that's where we can help affect that. But other than that, we don't affect the baby. We don't move. We don't touch the belly in an attempt to move the baby around ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Your Baby's Brilliant Brain, and we'll see you next time. Bye.